Did you know mayhem literally means dismemberment? I no. Know yeah. When huh. they say mayhem, yeah. they mean you like cut someone's arms off. Oh. Wow. That's cool. Also that changes mayhem for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's mayhem in here. Do you really think so? <laughs> There's just <laughs> appendages willy-nilly <laughs> all over yeah. the There's oh also a black metal band called Mayhem. That who, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Do they who, do like, it on stage? No, but one of, like, the lead singer was accused of killing with a bassist and, like, eating his brains Holy or something. shit. Yeah, it's super Were black metal. Were they Norwegian? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just thought I'd add that. I, why haven't I heard about that? <laughs> I it's I can send you many articles. Please, it. it's just so fucked up. It's so anyway. I will. But I will. somebody will put that brains. in the show notes. What? <laughs> the show we notes. have to yeah. now. <laughs> created in 12 times. There's A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
That paper is still in reviews. It's 2019. What? what? I stopped. Oh my God. I stopped caring around 2013, and my bo- <laughs> my old boss emailed me. He's like, "Oh yeah, we got someone uh, kind of making some refinements to it. It's still out there. I mean, we might as well get it published." <laughs> I mean, if somebody's watching it, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I'm literally like, there are it, it long extended periods of time where, you know. 16 months, 12 months, four months Mm -hmm. at a time where people are like, well, here's some new comments and can you change that and maybe run this experiment too? And it's just wild. So So is it, is it like a, um, when you're trying to like restart your computer when you're doing an update and it's like 49 minutes left, 30 minutes left, 20 minutes left, two hours left. (laughs) 119 years left. Just kidding. We just don't feel like doing it at all. In general, so um, okay. Well, I feel like that's uh, that's something that's going to be telling. <laughs> oh yeah, it'd be funny if it ever gets published. But um, yeah, I was a student in biophysics at the University of Illinois, which is one of, I guess, one of the better ones. People can't see my quote fingers. But, um, <laughs> I think they could hear them. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good uh, if you have an attuned sense to quote fingers. But um, <laughs> so uh, I spent two years, two and a half years, uh, and. Honestly, the, my problems weren't necessarily related to publishing at the time. They were more about uh, epistemic problems in science and the things that I was doing. I'll give you an example. So in the time that I was coming up in science, I was in biophysics especially, there was something called single molecule biophysics. It still exists, but uh, what people were doing at the time was they would take a laser and a, they'd point this laser at a little polystyrene bead, right? So, you know, think about like the things that come in your shipping yeah, things, right? or, yeah. like the things that's in your that's in your micro bead yeah, face wash. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Right? And they'd flow these things into a chamber, like a little cell that has water in it, mm-hmm. like a tiny, like two glass slides, right? And then they tried to attach a piece of DNA to these beads so that they could measure things like a molecule of protein walking on them, right? So like this is happening in our body. So they're all like the time. stretching it out like a tipe rope. Exactly. And then mm. putting a bingo. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and they're using a laser's optical force to keep the beads steady and also move them away from each other. That was the thing that I built at the University of Illinois. That sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> like like <laughs> connects. You'll find like a whole, a whole bunch of physics, at least like astrophysics and cosmological physics is literally just building an instrument for like five years. So you mm-hmm. can make one measurement that you verified via mathematics. Wow. <laughs> and then you publish that result and now you're an astrophysicist. Is it worth Damn. it? I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't, I dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because back then, right, you could take something like this. Uh, notice I didn't say anything about a, a biological cell or an animal or anything, yeah. right? It's all very, um, you have to purposely have very uh, dilute solutions okay. and you have to have, uh, these were in the, this was in the basement of the, of the physics building. Mm-hmm. There was thermal shielding in the room. There was acoustic shielding in the room. There was all kinds of things where you're like, we have to be very, very careful with this, right? Now, the thing is, though, is at the end of the day, what this protein is doing on a single thing of DNA in a very dilute solution, you'd probably want to be like, well, what relevance does this have for a cell, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so... That's kind of where I started, even yeah. though I had voluntarily joined this group. Because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> hey, guys, we're going to talk about that, right? Um, I was like, well, how does this ladder up to actual real-life biology? And it seems like no one was really interested in that question. 
Um, They're like, we're just trying to build this fucking thing right now. <laughs> which is, you know, it's, and which is fine. Like, you know, that's, that's all fine. You can't necessarily walk in and demand that. And especially as a graduate student, which, you know, maybe you may have <laughs> some oh, experience yeah, yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But, you know, I ended up having like big epistemic issues with what I was doing. And I dropped out with a master's. But I did have that one paper that's kind of going out there that was a novel um, sort of approach to looking at an archaeal bacterial DNA. So, you know, the ones that are down in the bottom of the sea. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, someone had a sample of that. We extracted its polymerase. We put it in. We watched to see if do these things act differently than mm-hmm. ours out yeah. here in the Out atmosphere. here in the sun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they did to some extent, but I don't really think it was that novel, but that's not the point. So I was like, all right, <laughs> I'm not really seeing where this is going, right? But the really funny thing was that at the time, you could take something like this, like what I was doing. Mm-hmm. You could find any new protein you want to put it in the system and it'll be a science paper like that. I mean, oh. the publication. Yeah. Science, it's, right? it's just, uh, the, what does this do <laughs> yeah, it's approach very... to scientific papers? Absolutely. What it's does like, that do? Oh, what does it do? Well, yeah, it's like, <laughs> totally. It's this new What's thing. What does this one do? Here's this novel. Th- you could just slap novel in the front of these things, a novel approach to whatever. Right. <laughs> and it's literally science, nature, science. Right. And so I was kind of like, what is this really doing? Mm-hmm. That's funny though, because I had some colleagues who are now at really nice places like MIT, but they use these methods to find really fundamental laws of how biology works mm-hmm. in cells or in systems where you could reliably make the inference that actually that's probably valid, that it does that in a cell. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. So but they finally got there. Yeah. Eventually <laughs> they haven't gotten there yet, but a lot of this technology is just really sexy. Like mm, they can make, sure. they can make 3d images of cells, like inside of cells and w- of living cells, which mm-hmm. isn't very new, right? Yeah. Like that's not a thing people have done. There's still very serious problems with that. But the point is I looked at this and I was like one of those, what's the word, I guess entitled or whatever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is the point of this? Right. But, um, <laughs> But I, I quit and I was like, well, maybe there's something more, you know, higher up on the ontological chain of things that people are doing. Because I'm down here at the very tiniest things, right? Mm-hmm. And so I got into industry and a lot of the stuff I was doing requires massive statistical modeling, lots of actual programming, not very complicated stuff, just in R, just to um, process data. Looking at trends. <laughs> yeah, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Uh, mostly filtering noise trying to find ways to actually see, oh, is that a signal or is that a signal, right? Right, mm-hmm. right, Because right. these are really, really precise measurements that uh, are subject to someone walking and going, <laughs> 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 Oh, my God. <laughs> like, good, use of, yeah. good use of microphone technology yeah. right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, and so I was like, well, that's fine that people are getting in science nature papers out of it, but materially, what is it doing? And so I left what, uh, I left that program I went into, um, at this point, regrettably, technology. <laughs> uh, we're never going to let you forget that. <laughs> um, Corinne has um, a vendetta against tech bros. Well. <laughs> that's fully, uh, I'm really you, sick yeah, of it. I was going to say, you probably understand. <laughs> you, lived in the, you live in the Bay Area, right? Yeah, so you know what I mean. There yeah. was an eye roll, a yeah. flutter of mm-hmm. the eyes. That's and the, the correct roll. reaction. A- aggressive head nodding and eye rolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Um, but can, so, uh, can I interrupt you real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I always forget what epistemic means. Oh, just <laughs> so you're um, saying you have an epistemic problem. Oh yeah, just a question of knowledge. 
right? Okay. Like, how are we justifying the knowledge that we derived from this thing? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. What so is our it's, justification it's like for it? The knowledge itself. Yeah. Like yeah. the purpose of the mm-hmm. knowledge itself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, uh, it's now. just uh, the branch of philosophy that has to do with how we justify knowledge. Yes. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, yeah. And it's funny because, like, it's not that scientists don't know this. They do this all the time. Yeah. A lot of them do it on autopilot. Some of them are um, have taken the time to be like, oh, that's epistemology or something, right? Well, my brain always goes to epistle because I was raised so Christian. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, letters? The letters of Paul? <laughs> well, of course he's going to have a problem with God stuff. He's looking at DNA. <laughs> God uh, is in your DNA. <laughs> Wait, oh God! So did you guys see God in there? <laughs> had one DNA at a time, right? <laughs> I've seen God, and He's forgotten us. <laughs> yeah, so I zoomed in with the laser microscope, and there was a gnome on the DNA, and he said, "I have seen God, and He has forgotten us." <laughs> I'm your boyfriend now. <laughs> ah, your boyfriend with a nice red hat. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, data science yes right so people were like hey it was this is about 2011 2012 and data science as a job was pretty much happening around then Mm -hmm. like people were doing it but uh, there weren't like you know directors of data science no one was hiring a vp of data science there was just people going hey uh there seems to be scientific reliable ways that data does things and we can build models that makes it that that can extract features from data, right? So this just means like if you have uh, like a table, like a data table, right? And there's rows and columns and it really doesn't matter even what's in them. But if you have like the rows represent one form of thing, maybe it's like the X, like the height of something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's like the height of all the buildings in America. And Y is something like, you know, the concentration of people per square foot or something, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. And so people will go, because hey. My <laughs> <laughs> and people are like, is there an association between, like, you know, building size and number of people? Seems like a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, right. And data scientists come back like, well, I can build a model that will extract the trend feature from this data. And oh, it will tell okay. you. And then other fancy things can happen, too. But... Um, so I got into personalized medicine, mm. which I use heavy quote fingers on because I do not think it exists. Oh, okay. <laughs> which, I mean, we can talk but about. But am I not special? Yeah. <laughs> don't I deserve my own personalized medicine? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, you do. Just like every all the other special <laughs> that are in my um, standard of care table here. Yes, you get this much. <laughs> no one else does. <laughs> Just you. Therefore personalized. But. This was so. What this company was doing, though, it was formed by a lot of crazy rationalists who were good at Bayesian inference. Bayesian inference is pretty useful. It has its drawbacks, but here's the idea, right? Uh, this reverend Thomas Bayes, okay. five centuries ago, four centuries ago, I think it was, uh, just kind of put in a mathematical representation uh, the idea that basically, how will you update your belief on something given a set of evidence? And the likelihood oh, yeah, of that yeah. evidence beforehand, before you actually took a measurement of some kind or a change in your belief state. Okay. So people said, you know, there's a lot of medical literature out there, hundreds of millions of articles published here all over the world, India, all these other places, Asia, Europe, all these massive, massive, massive amounts of data. How do we know any of this shit is true? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And what does true mean? Yeah. <laughs> <Right? Like laughs> I actually, when I, when I wrote this, um, when I wrote the doc 
at first. Yeah. I don't know if you looked at it. <laughs> I don't but, think I did. But my last question, because I was doing it like midnight last night, yeah. was just in all caps, what is truth, Jahed? <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you really be off topic, we'll talk about that. Well, I guess I was more on the money than I thought. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So like the, the, I know that you were like already explaining this, but mm-hmm. I'm just making sure that I'm following that the... Uh, the idea of having your mind changed is important to this concept. Absolutely. Having your mind changed by the yeah, data. Yeah. There's a lot of medical literature out there. How do we know it's true? Mm-hmm. The standard for truth for most of these people is something called the p-value. And you might see it if you ever look at PubMed or Google Scholar. So that, that's the bell curve thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so the point being that they, you'll see it published when they say, this is a significant result. They'll say, p-value less than 0.05 right yeah. mm-hmm. and oh i'm not going to walk through the operations of that but the point is that the p-value is less than 0.05 is in some ways related to the and then a person saying therefore this finding is significant is somewhat related to when a person goes the false positive rate of my machine here is mm-hmm. 0.02 therefore when you walk through it it's 98 <laughs> percent accurate oh, okay. right yeah. okay. so that's kind of like what these folks were saying is that actually there's a gulf of information these people aren't taking into mm-hmm. account uh, so if you look at things like the top 15 disease killers in America, I'm so not it's basically like you're looking at the sing- this single set of data and not taking, it's like an externality in economics. Yeah. To some extent. Yeah. yeah because mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, these other things don't matter. Yeah, so abs- we're not even going to take it into Absolutely. consideration. Absolutely. And <laughs> so it's like, yes, the environment matters. Yes. This matters. Like, and in addition, we're going to try to quantify those things. Right. We're going to try to actually look at things like, I'll give you an example. One of the first products I was put on there was I was put on the atrial fibrillation project, which is a thing that hits a substantial percentage of the population. Mm -hmm. So we were interested in figuring things out like, okay, first, if I'm a 35-year-old man or or a 45-year-old woman or a 53-year-old man, what what have you, right? Mm -hmm. What is my likelihood, my risk of developing atrial fibrillation based on the medical literature? And once I have it, what is the best way to mitigate its risks and what are the risks, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not just that your heart flutters a little bit in the atrial chamber. It's that that becomes stroke risk, becomes cardiovascular disease risk, all that stuff. So the thing is, is that there is no good answer in the medical literature about this kind of question. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of different studies have been done, lots of controlled trials, lots of different populations. But no one has come out and said, okay, given all the stuff that we know in the various populations, and the prior likelihood of having it, what is the best thing to do? That's why this company like came into existence. And so I just, I was like, Oh, this looks pretty cool. I should just do this for a while. Mm -hmm. And so I walked in and did that for a while. And I was working with these guys and, um, what we discovered, at least what I discovered in a really deep investigation of atrial fibrillation specifically is that almost most of the things which you were talking about the environment, yeah, most of the recommendations ended up being pretty mundane. We even integrated things like genetics. So we looked at all the top uh, single nucleotide polymorphisms, SNPs. As for, you do. <laughs> <laughs> for various things. And we said, okay, great. Which one of these actually has some sort of risk tied to atrial fibrillation and cardiovascular disease? They do these with these things called genome-wide association studies, which are garbage for the most part, as I figured out. But anyway, I'm not saying they all are. So if you're listening to this and you're mad, sorry. (laughs) But uh, but, uh, (laughs) You can tweet at him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we'll leave my handle here. You can get mad at me. I enjoy mad people. (laughs) Mad against utopia. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So um, 
But yeah, that's what I was doing. And so I made a pretty hard claim here in my bio, which I don't want you to defend. <laughs> I'll defend I that. <laughs> uh, I like wrote this in a screed at like, I don't know, some time. I don't remember what I was doing. The stupid chickens are ruining my brain. But um, <laughs> um, but I said total nonsense, which is not true. I'm just, I have a tendency to exaggerate, right? But the point being that like, when you look at the p-values for developing a risk for various types of diseases, up is down, left is right, depends on who you listen to. There's a lot of really divergent information in the medical literature. The standard of care that is what doctors use to manage these conditions isn't really well informed by any of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really more infel- informed by um, the sort of overarching pharmaceutical industrial complex and the trade unions that govern how they work. Which, okay, yeah. But I will, we can, that's a whole, <laughs> we can talk about that forever. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we might. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that then led me to, well, if there's this much sort of mm, fuzziness in p-values in medical literature, what is really going on in scientific publishing? How does this happen, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, what are the various incentives that people have why are these things getting published is there a sort of when you're like what is truth is there a sort of truth that people are driving to or are they just you know socially organized around the notion of finding truth and it doesn't really matter what that truth is like it needs to be in line with what everyone already believes. exactly is, yeah. it, is, a sh- is it shaped by everyone's actions i don't want to say constructed because then people get really pissed people no. get people get super mad at socially constructed when really we i'm just saying it's shaped by the so, by social or, the social organization mm-hmm. of people no one made it up <laughs> it's not constructed in an imagined order yeah exactly <laughs> and people get piping hot mad at, at social constructions and i'm like okay all right you're trying to associate me with the postmodernist got it shaped how about that <laughs> just leave it off yeah um but yeah so um and that's when I just started looking at this. And I mean, there are a lot of people who are now looking at this. Tim Vanderzee and James Heathers, right? Like yeah. those are two folks who are really deeply embedded in this. They got, uh, well, they didn't they didn't get Brian Wansing fired per se, but they definitely raised enough flags where people were like, oh, that dude is making stuff up. Which we're we going to have him on too. He already <laughs> volunteered. <laughs> or, or no, well, J- James Heathers. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's going to be on. I was going to tell you because that would be a, Either me following him or him following me would be really great. Well, I was for a while. I was kind of like, ooh, maybe I should have had him on first, but I don't think it's gonna be bad yeah. either way. Yeah, it should be fine. He's a fan, he's fantastic to talk to. Yeah, but that was kind of like what got me to the point where I was like, wow, okay, well, we're dealing with this thing. So many millions of people have it, and honestly, at the end of the day, a lot of the recommendations for it, even after you pass them through the various sort of uh, algorithms we had developed. They ended up being quite like the contributions from things like genetics were very, very, very small. And right. that also could be reflective of the state of our knowledge on genetics in 2012. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but sure. at the same time, uh, things like doing the DASH diet, which is a salt reduction oh, diet. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Um, walking for 15 to 30 minutes every single day, mm-hmm. getting sunlight, mm-hmm. all, all these kinds of things that ended up being really big contributors to lowering the risk. Mm-hmm. The biggest ones were just things like don't, you know, uh, have a BMI of whatever. I don't yeah. know what the cutoff was, but 27. Like something, 27. Like, yeah, something. <laughs> Emily <stupid>. knows. <laughs> yeah. <Ew>. Right. <laughs> and even, but you know, that stuff is really more a, uh, byproduct of people trying to objectify physiology into numbers, which doesn't really back out. But, like, you know, we, again, another whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
we're on a publishing podcast. Yes. So please lead us on the publishing tour. All right. <laughs> Wait, I mean, okay. So you said it was taking forever for them. It's been 10 years and you still haven't gotten your paper Oh published. God, yeah. Can, can I you talk a little bit about? Yeah, is that what like the a, fuck is going? Is on? that typical? It's it's not super typical. Okay, it's really. I've heard it's a little more typical on things like uh, sociology, gender studies, other sort. Mm-hmm. Like, it's more typical for those things. Well, yeah, it's it. It happens a little more often that things end up going into development hell almost <laughs> for wow. like six or seven years because huh. they're just. Uh, I mean, I'm not like you need to have more people in your sample. Oh, yeah, or, so, yeah, oh, or okay. or like or if you're if you're challenging serious things that everyone thinks is true, mm-hmm. true again, right? Like right. like one example could be uh, that it's actually a really good example of scientific publishing kind of failing because it doesn't people sort of assign their uh, responsibility mm-hmm. and shared understanding of this to the literature. But it's not really. It doesn't live there. It lives in the communities who are publishing. Right. Right. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Right. So okay. a really good example of this is uh, adult neurogenesis. This is when uh, I, when I was you know ten or nine or something, I heard even in school, you, did you know that adult brains don't have any new neurons. So when you're fourteen, yes. you never get a new one again. Oh, I heard Whoa. fifth grade. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's like once you're in fifth grade, that's the way you are forever. You're done forever. Yeah. Your brain's oh, fucked. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry for you, you idiot. But anyway. <laughs> Um, it turns too late out for you. the the saga of that one finding is fascinating. There was a, an assistant professor about forty years ago. I forget the guy's name uh, who published a result saying uh, using just tagging radiation tagging of DNA to show that something that was ingested by an animal ends up being incorporated in the brain. And people were like, "That's crazy." Also, you didn't prove that it's the important part of the neuron, so we don't believe you, okay. right? And, and this person uh, lost their funding. Whoa. They left science, and they wrote a memoir like 35 years later going like, essentially, I was right. <laughs> but I was right, but I lost my career. I literally, it was like part of the title. I can oh, find wow. it for you. Yeah, Please yeah. do. Yeah, huh. yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll maybe put in the show notes. But, yeah, um, let's do it. Let's put yeah. it in the right show underneath notes. the black metal band. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so when you look at the way that scientists talk about what they do, and they say like, well, if you uh, have enough evidence and you publish it and all your peers see it, it'll be fine. But that's not true, right? There isn't some sort of uh strict governance structure around how truth works mm-hmm. right, right. Uh, it turns out that actually one of the big luminaries in the field um i also forget his name sorry fucking chickens <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but i'll find his name i'll say like uh, his name one? was pascal something he's a neuros mm. he's a neuroscientist he in this first result was like that's bullshit oh. uh, no way not mm-hmm. happening right and uh, it was very he did it in the worst way possible i don't know his last name but i can remember what he said he, at a conference, he said to the person who was sharing this, he goes, I don't know what neurons do out over there in Texas, <laughs> but over here in Connecticut, Yale, uh-huh. yep. they don't do that. Wow. I'm not even making that up. That's actually a quote. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll find it. <laughs> it's That's wa- incredible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like that. Now, what happened with that is that 20 to 25 years later, after that initial controversy, Pascal Guy still has a career, by the way. Mm-hmm. Another group, two people, uh, published and were like, we use new methods and we got the same thing. And again, the people were like, uh, that's no way that's true. And then what happened was people went, 
you only did it in rats or you did it in nematodes. And they just kept on saying, nope, 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 nope. And then we haven't seen it in primates. Oh, shit. Someone published it in primate. Oh, <laughs> right? oh and, then fi- and then people said, well, you haven't shown it in an adult human in the part of the brain that matters, the cortex. <laughs> and so literally, like, this kind of thing continued, yeah. right? And so the real problem with publishing is that peop- this is the primary way that these people uh, advance in their careers. It's yeah. the primary way that they derive status in order to, ed- in order to advance in their careers mm-hmm. and then also to do things like consult and get, uh, you know, nice cushy deals with either government or pharmaceuticals. Right. So a whole lot of things are wrapped up in this one thing that people, thinks is a, people think is a very specific truth deriving mechanism Mm -hmm. and so you can see how a lot of problems would result from that yeah well i feel like that's (laughs) one of the big problems with trade publishing right now is there's a group of people who are entrenched in their point of view who remember the way that things were Uh and that's why like and romanticize them constantly black books don't sell Uh Mm uh-huh sure like right books written by women are chiclet Uh uh-huh like all kinds of fucking like Mm -hmm. ideas about who buys what which have been disproven time and time again Mm -hmm. go listen to the joe beal interview women black women over 50 are the main book buying Mm -hmm. population yeah like i learned a new thing today yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) so all of these ideas that people have about will and what will and won't sell are just based on the fact that that's what has been done all along. Over it's that over. it's that whole we've ah, always done it yeah, this way thing, right, <laughs> right? Yeah. And see, that's like uh, that's also part of the problem with Bayesian inference. Actually, <laughs> is that it's based on, of course, it's, you're you're setting your prior probabilities in some way. You're yeah. saying like whatever you're doing, this is the big. I mean, this is the biggest controversy in statistics. And see, it manifests in everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. People go like, yeah. well, how do you? how do we start with induction? What should we, what's the part, where should we start with this? Right. And people go like, well, this is the way it's always been. been Right. 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 And so you can't look at something like that. This is, it's mere materializing in scientific publishing. You can't look at something like that and say like, Oh, well that's a, um, well, that's an objective criterion. Right, like there's no power involved in that decision. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, and I think that that's a, probably a good trans transition to uh, talking about centralized power in publishing. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Because that's that seems to be what a lot of people are having a problem with right now. Oh, and it, for sure. it, when you have so many gatekeepers and there's nothing, you're running up against that brick wall of like tradition, yes, quote unquote, right, right. tradition for a certain group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are the alternatives mm. to that? Well, I think first, le- first, let's talk about the centralized partners. Because yes, I think it's really, it was the scientific publishing people are just, it's wild. So I don't know what it's like with the sorts of different trades that you folks yeah, are working with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, scientific publishing is a handful of um, entities that control most of it. Mm-hmm. There's Volters, Kluwer, Elsevier, uh, Springer, mm-hmm. I think those are the main three. I mean, I, I interviewed for a job with them that I didn't get, <laughs> and now I'm Springer? glad I did it. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, just you wait. So, um, now, I love doing this with people because even some scientists don't know this, but they kind of guess high. Uh, what do you think the profit margin? Oh God! Of these three companies is just pick one. It doesn't matter. Right. Let's say uh, Elsevier. I don't know. A million percent. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, well, let me give you some benchmarks. So 
you know, like a good business mm-hmm. has like, you know, like an 8% profit margin. Okay. People yeah. are like, oh, that's a good business. Yeah. 98%. 0.02. And Amazon, Amazon, your favorite company, yeah, yeah, yeah. ran a like 1% or 0% profit margin mm-hmm. for like 15 years. Yeah. Because wow. they were just trying to grow prime. Yeah, they didn't sure. care. Right. They're like, they're yeah. like, fuck it, we don't care. Right, right. And now, I don't know what it is. I haven't looked at their financials for a long time. I don't either. But um, Elsevier's, mm-hmm. I get some mixed up, but these guys, they land in the range of 34 to 37%. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. Now, it gets even worse than that. So let's walk through like well, how these people function, right? First, we already covered that they have a captive audience of people who are derived their status and progression in their right. careers from the activity of these companies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's just get down to the really nit- nitty-gritty of it. So like I said, 34 to 37%. Right. And we'll get into why that's how and why that can be so high. It's pretty amazing. But Mm -hmm. the first thing is, let's just break down what's actually happening in scientific publishing. Right. So when you are a graduate student or a postdoc, you are, um, I I could, I can really get into some hyperbole here and people might get pissed, but whatever. Essentially, essentially you're, you are sort of an indentured servant in some Mm -hmm. ways. Yeah. Because you don't have much say over the, you don't have much autonomy over your work. For the most part, um, you come in, there's a set of projects that your advisor is known for. You work with them together to pick something in the good cases. In the most cases, that's not the case. They go, here's a thing that someone should look up because it ladders up to grant money for us, me, mm, us, okay. right? And that grant money that comes in from the public in America, mm-hmm. for the most part, m- some of it comes in from private sector as well, but a lot of it comes from the NIH, the National Institutes of Health, right. and the National Science Foundation. Those funds are then used, uh, and if this was kind of, I this blew my mind when I was when I submitted this paper years ago. Uh, you pay about eighteen hundred dollars to submit a paper to these journals. What? Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and that's like that's like vanity presses. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's so, like, oh, yeah. You, oh, we're we're gonna let you say whatever you want. Mm-hmm. We're gonna make it really pretty. <laughs> you deserve it. Yeah. Pay us ten thousand dollars. Yeah. Jesus. Right. Right. Yeah. So like. So, right, $1,800, right? The only reason this really exists, and people have independently verified this, when you submit your papers, these people say, well, we need, you know, these are like cover our costs or whatever, right? Because a lot of the stuff's put up online. There's developer operations, infrastructure, all that stuff, internet, you know, maintenance, things like that that have to be put in place. But a lot of that stuff is commoditized and available. It's not like it's constantly being developed. If sure there are thousands of bullshit jobs that people are working and Mm -hmm. i'm using that in a very narrow sense (laughs) (laughs) exactly i've talked about that (laughs) good good so that then your for your listeners will hopefully that will resonate with them that's the presumption that you are paying for the cost of the process but that's not actually true this is just standard rent seeking behavior no one gets paid from for this stuff directly uh, and I, to, for the evidence for that, I point to the massive profit margins here for the funds that yes. are public, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and so anyway, because profit means you're not paying well, for yeah, anything, absolutely. right? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing too is it's very much like what happened with student loans, right? Like it's not that student loans are bad; it's that people said, "Oh, the government's going to guarantee them. We can probably just jack up our costs by an equivalent mm-hmm. amount, and no one will give a shit, mm-hmm. right?" Let's get some of that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and so, same thing here. Oh, you have a spate of you know a whole bunch of funds that you're getting from mm-hmm. your grants, and they're millions of dollars, and you literally don't care because it's not your money. Yeah. For the most part, like 
these people are not financial managers. Mm -hmm. I don't really understand why a lot of academics become professors anymore, <laughs> but that's a different <laughs> thing. Like where it basically, no, it's the same thing. That's what we're talking about right now. Right. It's like, it's, it's that whole like idea that you can advance in power to become the person who is the broker of knowledge. Yep, yep. And then it's all an illusion because everybody's just kind of working in the same direction based mm -hmm. off of everything that happened before. Mm hmm. It's all the, like, I mean, I feel yeah, like totally. that's what we're doing yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not but, necessarily in an academic sense, but yeah. I mean, specifically the behaviors of the job, right? So mm -hmm. like, here's an example. People come in with all kinds of things. They're like, oh, I'm going to discover new things. I'm going to study a thing. I'm going to. It's uh, like a, it's like a thoroughly modern Millie of science. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make new contributions to this field, mm -hmm. right? Things that people have said. When really you end up becoming a project manager, you become a uh, RFP um, a, a applicant. Uh, uh, why can't I remember what RFP stands for? Uh, it's like a call for a open request uh, for proposal. Yeah, exactly. Oh, girl. <laughs> there you go. All right. You, know, you become an RFP sub, uh, proposal writer, grant writer. You become all kinds of things that have, have nothing to do with, you know, truth, knowledge and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. If you're Discovery. Discovery. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, but at the same time, you know, you know, you have, you are a captive audience in some extent your career depends on advancing in this field and now you have money to do it if someone says pay eighteen hundred dollars submit this paper you're not gonna ask questions yeah that's <laughs> right. the way it's always been <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly course, right? uh so so you do that right you submit your paper they have very strict formatting guidelines they take that this is what they're charging eighteen hundred dollars for the entity whether it's elsevier walters kluwer whoever takes that and goes great Scientific community, they don't even do, they do like the bare minimum. <laughs> they go, great, who's a good reviewer for this? <laughs> Who wants it? Uh, Raise, yeah, your yeah. <laughs> Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Based, on the, based on the... Do the it, reviewers get anything out of it? Oh, we're going to get to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But so what happens is these people, like in some cases, mm -hmm. in some cases, they're editors who are really engaged. Yeah. Remember, the editors are not paid, actually. Oh, wow. The editors of these journals yeah. are usually academics themselves, and they're not paid oh, for it. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, right. but they're like interested in the status of, of being the editor for sell sure. or whatever, right? Academic right. publishing is very prestigious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so these people are, are like, one, they're not getting paid. So it goes to the editor or associate editor or a group of editors, and they go, oh, who's a, if they know immediately what the subject matter is, they'll go, great, we know who to send that to, and they'll do that. If not, mm -hmm. sometimes they'll go, Hey, do you think this is a good editor for this thing? Like they'll literally email you and be like, "Hey, do you think this is a good? Uh, who should be a good person to review this editor thing?" And oh literally, God. I'm not even joking. Yeah, that, that actually happens, right? Give these people <laughs> so much money. <laughs> Give them all the money. Yeah, yeah. So they find, you know, so they'll through that process they'll find reviewers. They'll it's usually two to three, sometimes more, um, and they'll there are strict guidelines for in some cases there are strict guidelines for what they're looking for mm -hmm. so they'll you know uh some people have put together heuristics and rubrics for this stuff others haven't and it was like you know thumbs up thumbs down looks fine to me yeah right and so you, but you look at things like the neurogenesis uh thing we were talking about right, before right, right? right. Mm -hmm. and those things are published but just the, i don't know the backstory on the reviews like no one does yeah. yeah that okay. so that's completely not transparent only sometimes they'll they'll review the they'll, they'll show the comments there, there's huh. we'll talk about this too but there are some things like archive <laughs> and bioarchive where they actually just will circumvent the peer review process they'll put it up on archive and people will just freely comment on it this and all is the what i want public. to know about okay <laughs> yeah. continue, continue. <laughs> yeah. so but yeah so you're going back to reviewers they yes. don't get paid 
So right, uh, isn't now, it like a requirement that you? Is there some kind of like you have to review this thing going on? Like, <laughs> yeah. what, well, yeah, <laughs> what yeah. are the rules? Well, yeah, there are definitely <laughs> rules, and it's super funny because just think about this, folks. Think about in a situation where this is your job and someone goes, do this thing for free and also there's a deadline. Oh, it's all the oh. graduate students. <laughs> it's the oh. graduate students. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes yeah. sense. The reviewers are rarely yeah. going to be like the actual PIs, the, pri- the principal investigators. Oh, okay. It's going to be their grad students and postdocs, mm-hmm. right? Occasionally them. And so you pass it, so you have this entire ecosystem of unpaid labor mm-hmm. that's really keeping this going right now it's interesting cuz i was talking to heathers about this james heathers yeah, yeah. and and he i had a suspicion about this anyway but i asked him and he sort of confirmed it it's hard to confirm this suspicion but the idea was that especially when you're a scientist and you want to be like precise about what you're saying oh absolutely <laughs> yeah uh, and so i was like essentially i was like well james i'm starting to think that this sector of publishing has very specific like problems and baggage with getting paid for what they do anyway. Like they actually absolutely think that it like tarnishes their reputation or what they do. Wow. Like, yeah. like poets. Like poets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, right. and he was like, to a certain extent, you're right. Like huh. people are, you know, you are kind of looked at with derision depending on certain things that you that are either above you know above ground or below in terms of taking money for things that you are sciencing for right and so uh i think that should someone ever kind of make an ecosystem where there is publishing and people get paid on the bottom up mm-hmm. there might be substantial psychological baggage for some of these people to go wait i'm this is weird. I I thought I have to be an unbiased reviewer. Right. Well, that's <laughs> right. like the that's like the Graeber thing, where yeah. like if you're doing something that gives you that you feel is valuable intellectually or emotionally, mm-hmm. people expect you yes. not to want money for it. Yes. Because you should be getting the emotional reward from it, exactly and you should right. only get paid for things that are shitty. Oh. You you read my I I yeah. couldn't, I was trying to pull that out. I didn't. That was fantastic. I mean, we read huh. the same book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is kind of exactly David where I was Graber, going. David Graeber, bullshit jobs. <laughs> read it. Absolutely. And read everything else he's written. It's very good. You could re- I mean, read it just for the stories of the people who sit at their desks and pretend to work because that's probably what you're doing too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, read it for the ones who do it on purpose too. Those are really funny. The ones who just like there's there are a lot of ones who are just like, yeah, I'm really sad about not doing anything that day. And then there are others who just really lean into it. <laughs> I was like, I mean, <laughs> a little column A, a little column B sometimes. <laughs> I'm not saying either one is good. I just enjoy the ones who are like, oh, I, I know what this is. The jig is up. I'm going to lean hard in this. So <laughs> the guy who is like, I'm going to go on two-hour walks every day. Yes. Wow. Or I'm going to go play golf in Scotland. Right? It was the... Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah. Oh, and oh my uh, God. What is the other guy who like became an expert in this one like obscure author. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that was the Spanish guy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He yeah. was like, it was like a dam or something like that. Yeah. He was, yeah and, and he was like, uh, yeah, we haven't seen him in six years. He just <laughs> left one day. Oh, he just went... <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just went home to like write yeah. a novel. Yeah. He was still getting paid those six years. It was awesome. Nobody noticed he was gone. (laughs) Whoa. Oh, that's kind of sad, though. (laughs) No, it's great. (laughs) (laughs) I know him. I don't know. He He was the happiest one of all. Oh, well, then it's not sad. All right. Yeah, totally. Because he ended up becoming like, I don't know. It wasn't Proust, but it was some like a scholar of some like. It was like a Proust type. Yes, yeah, so uh, something like that. Someone that you, that everyone Jonathan knows about, Franzen? but hasn't read. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> God. 
Well, yeah, so where was I? I was talking uh, about we were, submitting. Oh, we were talking not being about paid. the guilt and the baggage yeah, of exactly. accepting money for doing yeah. something that is valuable to you yeah. right. and valuable to society. Mm-hmm. So, like, now we're kind of in the abbreviated version of like the power structures that control publishing, what yeah. have you. But so, yeah, so that uh, sort of baggage issue aside, I definitely think it exists. Like, I've just in. I used to be one of these people. Mm-hmm. And they were uh, many of them are still my colleagues. Well, yeah, and we all get paid shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like uh, everyone who works in publishing, yeah, who uh, doesn't make it to those upper levels, yes, like right. does not get paid well. Yeah, like the only w- that's why so many people in like big New York publishing companies are like subsidized by their parents. Oh and are yeah, rich yeah, yeah, East yeah. Coast yeah. Kids. yeah, yeah. Like that's why it. I was subsidized by my parents when I lived there. I couldn't have afforded to live there if they hadn't helped me. And that's why publishing is so white. Everyone's like, what's going on? I'm like unpaid internships, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. bad, bad salary. Yeah. Not salaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I started out there, there is an unnamed company that I have seen lately Uh somewhere. Yes. I'm not going to name them. Okay. They're paying <laughs> a new publicist uh-huh. 13.75 an hour. What? what the fuck? Yeah. Can you tell me what company it is off the air? I'll tell you later. Oh, okay. They know who they are. Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, so these people like we said uh they demand payment for submitting to the journal. It's mm-hmm. somewhere in, it depends on the journal, sometimes 1100, 1800, 1500, whatever, right? It's in that it's in that territory. And uh, you submit it. They find reviewers. The reviewers come. They they sometimes they will all sort of either someone will kind of coordinate everyone's comments or they'll submit them separately. Mm-hmm. This is all kind of done via email. There isn't, from what I've seen, I've been out of it for a while. There might be systems now that kind of collate comments and put them together in a mm-hmm. project type way, but I don't think those are widespread. Maybe uh, PLOS One Public Library of Science One, which is mm-hmm. one of the open source publishing projects, which yep. is really cool. Yeah. Uh, they've been around, I don't know, 15, 20 years, maybe. They're maybe based long. in San Francisco, aren't they? Maybe. I, I think used so. to yeah, see yeah, like yeah, job yeah. postings from them all yeah, the time. Yeah. So, yeah. So, the, one of the guys I follow on Twitter, Michael Eisen, he's a, uh, he's a professor at, I think it was Berkeley of, mm-hmm. of evolutionary biology. He uh, helped find P, uh, found PLOS us one years ago he's a big uh big proponent of, of uh, open science mm-hmm. and that's and so they uh sometimes will even not take the submission fee they'll waive it if mm-hmm. you have demonstrate some kind of need or what have you so yeah. they're, they're 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 super cool but point being that you have some mechanism to then say we all agree this is a thing that should be published mm-hmm. right and it either is or isn't and it's somewhat um subjective and people will tell you that it's not but it is it can't mm-hmm. there's no way oh, it can't sure. be <laughs> yeah, right? right every acquisition yeah is, is subjective yeah absolutely yeah mm-hmm. so so then at that point the entities that be that control this stuff go great it's gonna be published fantastic so they put up uh the doi number which is kind of the thing that says this is now a published thing it is referenced in all the search index services like pubmed and all that um and it's kind of like, like the source of truth for this paper this is its identity right uh, there's other ones too pmid uh which i believe is pubmed id and there are a couple others but those are the like predominant ones everyone uses doi mm-hmm. and so um so that's like the point of view of the centralized publisher, right? But if you look at what they do, they take money mm-hmm. to sometimes find you good <laughs> or the proper right. reviewers. Right. And then they go and they provide the infrastructure for all of this to happen in terms mm-hmm. of like, here's the website and the paywall. 
So let's back up a I'm little sure bit. I'm sure the website works really well, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny. Some of them were getting okay for 2016. <laughs> I was going to say 2013. <laughs> uh, but, so, but I haven't even touched on the part of this that affected people like Aaron Swartz, right? So like... Um, if you're not familiar with Aaron Swartz, oh, oh, my goodness, we can talk I, I about I mean, I might be, but please. I don't know. Absolutely. Quick so, summary. So Aaron Swartz, Wonderkind, um, found, co-founded Reddit. Oh. And, <laughs> <laughs> but also did amazing things like co-found, uh, he wrote the, R, he co-wrote the RSS protocol, which is the RSS feed protocol. He's yeah, the one we who need did that. It. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. And uh, fuck Google for letting it just sit there and get destroyed after they got rid of google reader very few people use it but anyway it's still very good and it's an open source and everyone should use it that's how our uh, that's how our podcast gets distributed to different platforms nice there you go all right yeah Yeah, so (laughs) r.i.p aaron swartz so what happened aaron swartz is he looked at publishing in about 2010 2011 Mm -hmm. and i posted one of his quotes up on twitter the other day uh essentially he i don't remember the exact quote but he said something to the point of um the fact that we use public money for private entities to publish these things and we charge the world's most downtrodden people astronomical sums to access them is like, like basically a crime against humanity. Like mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, uh, it's unacceptable. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so he um, allegedly went and wrote a bunch of scripts mm-hmm. that went after one of the biggest stores of human knowledge, JSTOR. Mm-hmm. I oh, forget yeah. what JSTOR stands for. <laughs> so Nobody don't s- knows. Yeah, but... I'm, I mean, sure. And he took all this stuff out. He put it up on the internet. He used MIT's um, routing for this because I think he either was a student there or so I don't remember the exact facts of that, but he used MIT's license to do mm-hmm. that. So, you know, the the people who are charged with reinforcing structural power came down with the biggest, like, shit that they could yeah. on him, right? And uh, eventually got to the point where, like, yeah, he's gonna, he's probably gonna go to jail, and he committed suicide or oh died, by suicide. died by suicide. Yeah. Jesus. Shit. Yeah, and I mean, he was just an amazing person. I'm not gonna talk about it too much because I will get sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So what he was doing is the next part of this that I want to talk about, which mm-hmm. is the fact that after these people take fifteen hundred bucks to publish this from right. public right. coffers. Uh-huh. This money comes from the NIH, from the mm-hmm. from the uh National Science Foundation, NSF. They then put this up on their websites and if you have an institutional license that costs tens of thousands of dollars a year, hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of dollars a year if you're going after multiple collections, yeah. sometimes millions mm-hmm. where you yes. have multiple universities doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you first institutional licensing fees, right? for things that already came from public coffers. Secondly, if you're not in one of the institutions, then you'll be paying anywhere from 35 to sometimes 100 bucks an article if you want to access these things. Oh, my God. So it's just, uh, it's on the come and the give. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's yeah. just the come, uh, like everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. So you look at that and uh, there's really, it's holding back so much of what scientific publishing could be for the world, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cause well, because it's supposed to be valuable <laughs> for, like, these yeah. are... These are supposed to be things we need. Yeah, right? absolutely. <laughs> like put aside all my meandering about truth claims in science and mm-hmm. just if there are actually useful things there and we all think there are because we still fund the stuff and people dedicate their lives to it. Uh, we What we are doing is taking public money and then saying also the poorest people in the world who may not have access to this, fuck you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah. So um, Well, it's all it's all kind of that 
self-contained stuff right because it's like oh well this is just for the other people doing exactly the same thing this mm-hmm. isn't for other people who might apply it in different situations mm-hmm. it's like we're, we're just writing papers to write more papers <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly and it, like you you could have all kinds of things here right like we're um there was huh, there was this one publishing controversy in the 90s um uh this one is kind of insane but basically two people uh, one person decades ago, mm-hmm. there's this hormone in our bodies called leptin that controls how much fat we store for the most part. I'm butchering that, but you get the idea. Look yeah. it up. There's Wikipedia, please, right? Please butcher it <laughs> for our <laughs> sakes. <laughs> yeah. So there was a person who sort of had uh, inferred the existence of leptin before the 90s. Uh, forget his name. We can, I'll show notes you this one too. <laughs> you but, gotta uh, help me with this one. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, he had inferred the existence of leptin from working with, uh, he was a, cl- he was a uh, clinical, um, he was in clinical medicine, but he's also a research uh, mm-hmm. doctor. So he was looking at this and he was like, I'm pretty sure there's a hormone that is controlled somewhere in the hippocampus or what have you, somewhere in the brain that pays attention to how much fat is in cells and modulates that. And it's like the, it's like the fat regulator, the global fat regulator mm-hmm. governor. And there was another guy who was a molecular biologist who was probably about 10 to 15 years younger than him and came to the same institution. Uh, I believe this was NYU. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had the skills to discover this while co-working with him, publishing a bunch of papers. Mm-hmm. What he ended up doing was right for the one paper where they discovered leptin, he left that guy off of it. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Jesus. So he left that guy off of it uh-huh. and it gets so much better. What he did was uh, behind every, he was now a PI himself. Okay. So, and he left that guy off of it. Mm-hmm. He, at the same time, filed a patent with the university with only his name on it, not even the Ugh. people who are doing the work, the graduate students and postdocs. Mm-hmm. And he sold that patent for $20 million to, I believe, GlaxoSmithKline. Oh my God. <laughs> But the best part... That must have been some good money. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, That guy is amazing. The person he fucked over... I'll look up all their names and give them to you. But like (laughs) that person who he totally fucked over is amazing because decades later, he was just like, you know, I'm over it. (laughs) I was like, wow. (laughs) I mean, you have to be. Yeah. He was like, it's fine. I, you know, I forgive him. I talked to me. It's fine. Right. And I was like, man. (laughs) But yeah. So like now that, again, you look at the, just the so many things that are entangled mm-hmm. in the scientific publishing. Yeah. yeah. And so I don't think, I think that already we can stop with the pretension that it's this truth, truthy mechanism mm-hmm. that gives people all this objective knowledge and we can't, it's, it's sacred yeah. and we can't like change it. Right. Cause look at this, the dead bodies of yeah. bullshit yeah. <laughs> that are happening. Yeah. One we already covered, right? We are literally impoverishing the entire global South by not sharing knowledge that's been derived from the tax money of the public yeah. in the majority of Western countries. Yeah. Uh, in this situation with this patent <laughs> and yeah. this person uh, it, who, who by all rights mm-hmm. did nothing wrong yeah. legally. Yeah. Everything he did, he could do. Like Jill Iverson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like right, yeah. right. And, uh, and, you know, we covered some of the other ones, like neurogenesis ruining three young scientists' careers mm-hmm. before even the guy who said they were wrong still came around to it at the end. And, again, I'll get you all those things. But yeah, that's yeah. just wild. When you yeah. look at that, and there's so much entanglement. I think it's enough for us to now be at a point to be like, 
this isn't as sacred as you think it is, and there's probably a better way to do it. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. are those better ways that people are thinking about or starting oh. to do or trying to present? Well, I'll start with the, the normies, and I'll go to the really weird, the weirdings. <laughs> I think that's a good, uh, yeah. <laughs> good way to approach yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the normal things I already talked about. PLOS One, a public library of science, they... Uh, they saw this problem years ago and they said, well, I think that the submission fees are out of control. They create these weird perverse incentives for especially early investigators who were maybe on their first grant. And maybe it's only a couple hundred thousand dollars. And now they have to requisition a bunch of money just for publishing for mm-hmm. six, the first six years of their career, five, six years. Um, and they came along and said, great. And also we're going to. We're gonna review. We're gonna make open. Uh, we're gonna open up the review process. We're gonna show people the, how the sausage is made. Yeah. We're gonna do. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna publish supplementals always. We're gonna pre. We're gonna do. Um, uh, supplementals. Yeah. Uh, uh, supplementals are right. Right. So supplementals are like uh, when you publish your stuff. Typically has an abstract, which is just a really nice short summary of what's going like on. Like a paragraph. Yeah, it's yeah. a paragraph of just like. It's still somewhat impenetrable to like mm-hmm. the average person who maybe isn't in this field. Um, then you know they'll have a summary of uh, the problem they're investigating, the methods they use to go about it, the results of mm-hmm. those methods, and then a discussion to sort of make sense and interpret what happened. And a supplemental will then be things like, here's all the shit that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. or here's all the nitty gritty of the transformations, the data transformation we had to do to make sense of this. And is it like... Does it also include like here are the things we thought would happen and we're like sure it would happen? Yes, and then totally didn't you would happen ho- at all. You would hope so. <laughs> not uh, not as much as you'd hope. No. They put some of that stuff in the discussion. Maybe I'm idealist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it ends up being more like uh, if for the um, this kicked off some of the crises in publishing. Is that uh, which we didn't cover at all? But there are some other ones like the replication crisis, which is. Uh, people like Wait, we didn't cover the crises already <laughs> no no we there didn't, are many more crises we didn't oh even God. we didn't even cover the crisis remember okay. when i was like i'll skip over the truth claims part <laughs> oh <laughs> God. Okay, yeah, sorry yeah. so yeah, yeah. you were saying supplementals supple- yeah, yeah. yeah yeah people like tim vanderzee and uh and james and other folks just started looking at a lot of this stuff and they were like you know what mate this doesn't add up <laughs> i did james is australian <laughs> <laughs> yeah so they looked at stuff and they're like yeah the supplemental information doesn't add up let me investigate more let me investigate more and that really unraveled some people's careers because mm-hmm. they were publishing bullshit right yeah but anyway like plus there's a lot of cool stuff like that mm-hmm. then archive uh i don't know the exact timelines here archive could have been around before or long before i don't really yeah. know but the problem with archive is that it's run by one university the people at cornell university <laughs> and they're just really good <laughs> like that's yeah. basically it right <laughs> and so so this kind archive. of stuff Oh, oh yes, yeah. right, yeah, with yeah, the yeah. Greek letter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so like... Uh, Corinne was in the sorority. Oh. <laughs> Thank you for reminding everyone. <laughs> yes, I was. Yes. So, so archive basically came about uh, by the, you know, the good graces of people at Cornell, and it's, mm-hmm. it does a couple things. I think you know, we'll talk about it, but uh, preprint publishing is one of the things that they sort of pioneered, which yeah. is they were like, you know what, before we send this out, we're just going to put it up here. And then there have been some really interesting things that came about as a result of that, which actually James Heathers told me about. Uh, he was uh, uh, essentially, uh, there are people who will publish only preprint, and then they'll just put it up there. And uh-huh. then someone will come along and go, you know what? That's a pretty good result. Can I put it in my journal? And they oh. just go, they'll just stick it in there, right? 
And uh, the exact term for this, maybe he'll remember it when he talks to you. <laughs> yeah, there's a little new term for that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. but essentially you can put it up there for comments. You can put it up there for getting people mad, essentially, or you can get it to just uh, sort of just really open up what's happening, right? Yeah. And that's been like a pretty big move for a lot of people. And the way they did it is, uh, you'll notice on Archive, Archive is very, very heavy on physics, math, and engineering. Okay, and right. Uh, they found really niche communities within those three practices where they kind of said, hey, we're, you guys are of your group of 12 people at your conference every year. Like computer science mm -hmm. is a really interesting way to talk about computer science people advancing their careers in a completely different way than everyone else. I'm sure. They only publish papers at conferences. Oh. And they're usually published they as like walk abstract. Out on, walk out on stage and like <laughs> hold it up over their heads while wearing a black turtleneck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, and, and that's like the primary way they do these things. So they went out there and said like, hey, you people who do shit weird, come to Archive. And so they're really mm -hmm. uh, like burgeoning communities of statistical physics, all that kind of stuff that mm -hmm. all publish preprint to Archive. And it's a really... Uh, Nassim Taleb publishes an archive. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, don't, I can't look at that. He blocked me. <laughs> hey, he blocked me, too. Yay, we're in the Nassim yeah, Taleb yeah. blocked us club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, like, and these are all really good things. They're, um, they're, they're extending the reach of these things. They're making things cheaper. Like, all that. It's, it's, all, it's all good initiatives. But um, a, I think, in my opinion, they don't address things like... Uh, specifically things with not people people not getting paid yeah <laughs> right? like yeah when you look at how much money is flowing through the system it is n it is ridiculous that uh i was paid twenty three thousand dollars a year as a graduate student and mm -hmm. i only i lucked out in that i went to the university of illinois where everything is cheap yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like my my bedroom my one bedroom apartment my first year was 515 dollars a month mm -hmm. yeah right <laughs> 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 yeah so i was like oh you know i was getting a paycheck of like 1500 bucks after text 1600 and yeah, i get yeah, a refund yeah. yeah something they're like oh that's great only 30 percent of my money is yeah. going around that's great uh -huh. that's the way it's supposed that's to right be. Yeah. according yeah. to your mom <laughs> yeah exactly but i look at stuff like that and you honestly if you were i was looking at other places like uh i uh I didn't go to MIT because I couldn't afford it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So I got into... Isn't all of their... Aren't all their courses like free online now? Yeah. Not, they've not been like, like that for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can go yeah. take yeah. all kinds uh, of... MIT Open huh. Courseware. Yeah. Is I mean, what it's not called. take, but... You can yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they put right. up their syllabus, all their book chapters in PDF form, oh. all that stuff. That's yeah. cool. Um, but yeah, so like you look at that and they don't really address things like that, right? And mm -hmm. right. you would have to think of some way because you know i don't think it is an easy problem to just show up and say let's pay these people yeah i don't think it's i mean who's gonna <laughs> <do> <laughs> yeah. It? yeah yeah who's gonna do it how should it be done how mm -hmm. should it be incentivized like these are all really critical questions someone's gonna have to figure out mm -hmm. um and i don't think that you should just mm, uh, this Go you, ahead. you should like this Karina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the whole the whole thing, the whole bend of all of the tech people is yes. this technological solutionism where they just jump into it and say, Oh, we'll figure it out later. We'll yeah. make a solution and we'll just do it. I, right. Right. <laughs> I yeah. bought yeah. yesterday uh -huh. bad blood 
Oh uh-uh. yeah, on the Libro FM. Yeah, my new my new audio book program friend. that is yeah. not audible.com. <laughs> Libro FM. Nice. I just I just read they published another thing on her on the New Yorker yesterday. I oh, read all yesterday. I, I read a New Yorker thing all the way I through. I read something you today know? about the husky that she owns that she yes. has to let pee all yes. over the office. Yes, it yeah. comes from that That's, article. Uh-huh. Yes. I'll have to read the article. That's yeah. like the the um, CEO of Thanks who used to like do Skype conference calls while she was sitting on the toilet naked. What? what the fuck. Yeah, she oh got she got kicked off of her board yeah. and I think sued for sexual fair. harassment. Oh yeah, I remember yeah. reading that. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I was Coming looking for like, me. oh, I'm gonna find like young millennial like women girl boss. Yeah, girl bosses <laughs> oh, for this book that we're doing. <laughs> and then I was like, oh no. <laughs> All these girl bosses are bad. Yeah. <laughs> Stop yeah. it. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Yeah. But yeah, so like uh, if we were looking at things like this, there are some nascent movements that are kind of trying to think through like, okay, how do we get a thing that out of the box gives us an incentivization system Mm -hmm. that gives us a way to track um, records of things that happen? Yeah. uh, Track edits, version control, basically. Mm, Right. How do they give us a version control? How do they give us a source of truth? Mm-hmm. in the computer science sense mm. of the term right uh and some of the things that have been that were being tried in the space i don't know if they're still active projects but uh we're in this you know blockchain space so that's kind of this blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> this is now a blockchain podcast blockchain. <laughs> welcome to uh what's uh, uh hybrid block scout <laughs> oh, hybrid chain scout <laughs> Blockchain. Wait, that's it. That, that's a different <laughs> Blockchain pub scout. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Black scout pub chain. Uh, I I had a question actually about yeah. the public library of science. Oh, go Have ahead. they had any pushback from like Springer or any of the more like established oh, publishers? Uh, well they haven't had pushback. You know what they have had is those people all made imprints that are also open source. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is a totally, right. if I was sitting there, I'd be like, yeah, of course they would do that. Yeah. Because it's yeah. like market share that you're losing to right, these people, sure. right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of like, you know, there are various versions of things where they will just take a journal and they'll be like, you know what? This journal is called this new thing now. And all <laughs> the editors will leave. Wow. And, they will, and they'll be like, and it's going to be open source this time. And Elsevier's that's like, awesome. fuck. Yeah. Fine. We'll still publish it. <laughs> <laughs> I only know that because Heather's told me about it. And I was like, oh, that's wild. <laughs> Good for them. We got to find more of those people. Yeah, really? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Wow. So, um, and it's funny because, uh, well, if you found, I was talking to Heather's about this, actually, the yeah. the blockchain stuff. And so real quickly, for people who don't Tell know what this what is. Tell us what the blockchain <laughs> is, please. Yeah. But I was telling Corinne, do you remember last year when we were talking about like New Year's resolutions over and mm-hmm. over again? And yeah. we were just kind of making shit up. Yes. I was like, Corinne, this is the year that I figure out what blockchain yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> but you kind of know what it is now. Uh, Jahed is going to explain okay. it. Though, oh, okay. I'm not. <laughs> well, okay. So... You, you guys, you, you're all familiar with spreadsheets, right? Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, wait. Is that's everyone, what, that's what I do listening? P&Ls on. That's is right. everyone listening? Have you used a spreadsheet before? <laughs> <laughs> I got my job and I said I knew how to use <laughs> Excel. So, uh, I only knew how to put. I hope, I hope they're not I, listening. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was a box and I put a number in it. <laughs> I hope it was the right number. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh you can think of these systems as a so 
let's say that there are like 10 computers, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have one, I have one, some seven of our friends have one, right? And we are trying to keep track of, with a spreadsheet, mm -hmm. who owes who money. Okay. Let's just use money, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's what I understand. <laughs> P&L here. <laughs> and More on the P side. <laughs> oh, God. <I> know. <laughs> um, well, so we, we we all say, yeah, we're going to use a spreadsheet. And so people are like, well, okay, this is there's like one centralized source of truth for this. It's our spreadsheet, right? Mm -hmm. That's fine. But what if someone goes in there and changes it or whatever, right? And, and we all just have to go along with the change. Uh-oh, right? Well, so blockchain, this what I'm describing is something they're calling a distributed ledger. So yes. there is as a... As in it's distributed to people? Well, <laughs> as in it's... Its makeup is distributed to all people who are subscribed to it. Okay. And in order to make changes to the ledger, you have to submit a amount of work, essentially. So let's say that you're, let's say with the same 10 people thing, mm -hmm. right? Someone said, Emily gave Corinne 10 bucks. Yep. Right. And in order, I did that last you week. did that last week. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, she did. Yeah. She did. Yeah. Her big for an Facebook ad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So. You then you've given her 10 bucks and everyone goes, OK, great. Let's go update. Like we're, we're moving away from the shared spreadsheet. All of us have our own. Okay. And we go and you go, I gave Corinne 10 bucks and all of us go, OK, great. Let's make sure we update our ledgers. Right now. And nothing stops you from just going like I gave her 10 bucks. I gave her 10 bucks. I gave her the same 10 bucks. Double oh. charging, right? Is oh, what that you listen to that. Right. So we all say, hey, prove it. Right. Uh -huh. And and. In cryptocurrency, which is a type of blockchain implementation, we call they call this a proof of work, which means that you have to crack a very difficult to solve math problem. Mm -hmm. And when you have the solution to it, we all verify your solution and go, she did the work to actually give her the, ten, the money for 10 bucks, right? Oh, okay. So here's the thing. You have to do that with, okay, sorry. Every single, yeah, you have to do that every single time. So now let's say, let's, the cool thing about the blockchain is that you have a distributed source of truth. Mm -hmm. No one owns it. So if you then take everything I just described and you say, actually, instead, I want to have Emily submit a thing she found in the science that she's doing mm -hmm. to everybody because okay. everybody verified that transaction, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we, we can scope this down a bit because there are reviewers. We don't send it to the entire universe, right? right? But since everyone, let's run with this blockchain thing, right? If we have a set of 10 scientists who are all involved in this blockchain project uh, that governs maybe one thing that they all do, let's say it's a computer science journal, and uh, people go, great, uh, what's my, you'll have your identity, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. one thing we didn't talk about is these things, the way you verify transactions is there's something called a public key. So people go, how do I know Emily is Emily? Oh, she has a public key and I verified it. Great. It hasn't changed. Same person. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now you've kind of got a long way with trust, right? Yeah. You've established who's who. And you're, in, you can... you're in real deep together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if someone submits something and you wanted to look at it and who it came from, it's all there. Mm -hmm. And you also can, on the same thing, the same little chain of events, you can look at it and go, what did that person do at this point? What are all the things they've ever done? Right? Yeah. But yeah, so in this, if you're looking at something like what could, you know, what could a blockchain project do for this? Well, let's say that it, if you're going to run the system, mm -hmm. all blockchain projects today cost money to run because yeah. they're running on everyone's computer, 
actually. Mm-hmm. So you right. know how, um, you know, there, maybe you don't know about this, but I'll kind of, this is a very similar thing. When I was in graduate school years ago, they had people who were solving protein crystal structures. Mm-hmm. So like when they were like, hey, I'm going to shoot x-rays at this thing and I'm going to figure out what it looks like, all the proteins in our bodies, right? Yeah. It takes a ridiculous amount of computing power to figure out what that looks like after the x-rays diffract from it. So they made this cool little program called uh, PDB, I think it was, mm-hmm. which is still around, where like torrents... You uh-huh. could actually make your computing power available to this institution oh. for decoding this this protein oh. databank thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like that's a pretty cool thing, right? Now take something like that and instead say, who are all these people <laughs> that mm-hmm. are actually trying to publish stuff, right? Yeah. And we'll kind of walk it back. Well, you have everyone's identity. It costs money to do stuff. It already costs money yeah. <laughs> if you're going to publish something, right? And if we're going to keep the cost the same, let's say the people are cost invariant, right? To they're already paying fifteen hundred bucks out of public funds. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, my grant money, I don't care. Mm-hmm. There's a very assume, you know, there's a very easy way to take that money and then say, okay, they someone made the submission. Let me tell everyone who's on this that a new submission has been made, a mm-hmm. new event of some kind. Right. Someone has said, I want to put a new transaction on this thing. Yeah. Right? And. Since it's a blockchain and everyone's identified, they mm-hmm. can get a notification that goes, this is the thing, this is its title, this is the area it's in. This all comes out of the bag because that's kind of just how the data structure of it works. You can mm-hmm. literally just have it be whatever you want, right? It's a lot of accountability. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so if it's a small enough community or there's some form of social capital, uh, don't sue me, <laughs> <laughs> but at play, uh, assigned to these identities, you can decide who gets to review this, right? At the same time, if it's an $1,800 transaction, you can decide if you want to incentivize anybody to actually, like, review it, right? Right. And this is where I think are the really hairy problems of this, is people need to figure out how does this change the dynamics of science? How does it get gamed? Like, if you're actually... Right. Like, like yeah. it, who decides they care enough yeah. to be paid for something that Absolutely. you're doing. Yeah. And, of course, it opens up new dynamics for someone saying, well, can I submit something for 3600 bucks if yeah. I want it to yeah. be searched faster? Like, all that kind of stuff, right? And the cool thing about these communities is that no one person can make that decision. Right. They come with uh, vo- governance mechanisms out of the box. Mm-hmm. So uh, what that means is basically someone can literally just submit something to the entire network that says, you know what, we should publish when 51% of the network says we should. Or someone else can say, you know what, we shouldn't, we should wait for these four people mm-hmm. around the chain to say okay. yes or no. Yeah. It's really up to them. They oh. can decide how the structure of the governance should work. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of an organic power structure that emerges in every yeah. different system. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really up to the people to make sure it doesn't become a centralized hierarchical thing. Um, but yeah, so you look at that and you, uh, this stuff is only as good as the social organizations that it can reflect, mm-hmm. right? So you, uh, James actually had a really good idea where he was like, you know, the people who do this stuff already, the way that some of the computer science, you know, uh, I forget the term you use, like secondary journals or uh, like skins or something like that you're talking about, the ones that where they just go, you know what, we're going to leave the one we're on right now that's under Elsevier, we're going to do another one over here, yeah. or, the same 12 people, and Elsevier is like, fuck, we don't have anyone to do that thing anymore, fine, we'll acknowledge this, and they'll do whatever they want in their new thing, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, you got to find a community of people like that who are willing to try new things like that, and in my humble opinion, they're going to have to want to give up a lot of the status related and uh, sort of like hierarchical arrangements they already have. You mm-hmm. got to find a, a a sector of this, uh, of academic publishing where people are ready to do that. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you're just going to rebuild the same shitty power structure right. if you don't. 
That sounds hard. <laughs> yes, it does. I think we need to stop <laughs> before. I, I, yeah, I think this is a good place to stop because it's going to leave it open for our imaginations. Oh, okay. <laughs> please, please uh, share in the Facebook comments how you think this might succeed. <laughs> oh well, I, I'm. I, I'll have to actually read if a Facebook comment now. Oh no 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 no! Do it on Twitter. <laughs> We'll do it on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Jump in with an AMA on our hybrid pub stuff. Oh, yes. I would, I would totally do that. Especially because the number one question people have about stuff like this is they go, well, uh, so you and you think that we shouldn't have bosses and managers. How would you do anything? Right? Let's oh, do a God. hashtag. <laughs> what should yeah. our hashtag be? Uh, well. Hybrid pub chain. <laughs> <laughs> that could totally work. Let's do a hashtag hybrid pub chain. Next nice. week we can uh, have a uh, Twitter party. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> about how, how decentralized publishing will work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm down. Well. All right. That said, uh, what would you like to plug, Jed? Oh, right. Plugs. I forgot <laughs> you, about that Jed part. has this, uh, this thing that he works on uh-huh. very diligently. I try to. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you folks are involved in publishing, you know, but your writing sucks. We also have a newsletter. <laughs> yes, I do. That's true. Please uh, subscribe. Newsletters. <laughs> yeah. So I do have two newsletters. One is an essay series that where I basically take a lot of the things I talked about and apply them to, uh, you know, different parts. Of, I'll probably write when I'm publishing, actually. I All right. Yeah. 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 Um, if but you need, if um, you need any um, bitchy quotes, <laughs> you know we're your gals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bitchy quotes and plugs. Absolutely, I, 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 yeah. I would love to plug you on that. Um, it's it's nascent and growing. It's kind of about a couple hundred subscribers, but basically, I shit on something related to hierarchical management of information, people, all that kind of stuff. Once in a while, right now, the current subject is the medicalized depression. And um, when I'm done with that, I don't know what I'm going to do next. Maybe publishing. And then there's another one where I kind of take the same sort of concepts I've been talking about here around sort of uh, autonomous, decentralized organization, uh, power structures, all that, and apply them to whatever thing that comes up. The last one I decided to do was on eugenics. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And how all of your doctors are actually eugenicists and they don't know it. Oh my God! <laughs> Think about that. Where where can they find these? Oh, Do yeah, you so want to tell them? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, Twitter.com/slash/against/utopia against Utopia, and then uh, same thing, pa- Patreon.com/against/Utopia. There's a, I have like you know, small budding group of people who support the newsletter and talk to me about whatever. I'm probably gonna have to stop doing some of the talking, but um, the face-to-face Google Hangouts. But, um, oh God, really? I've got a couple of those. Yeah. Wow. We, 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 we can talk, talk about that at dinner. Oh, we can talk about Yeah, there's a ton of stuff to talk about. Basically, like, I mean, you can cut this if you want, but one of the things that... You, you all know Jordan Peterson. Of course, you do. Uh, yes. <laughs> I introduced yeah. Corinne to Jordan uh, Peterson. Yes, yes and my life has never so, been the same. Um, the Jordan Peterson problem walked up to my doorstep, really. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like, in on, on my Patreon, where, you know, there's a few folks who have talked to me and have said... Uh, you know, I'm like a young, um, I'm a young man and, you know, some given Western country or what have you, I'm just obfuscating details here. But point being that like, I don't really know what to do about masculinity. Like, mm-hmm. how do I be a man when mm-hmm. it seems yeah. like I'm going to be destroyed by the SJWs if I do anything? Mm-hmm. And if I, and I, to some extent, I, you know, I kind of, I'm like, yeah, someone needs to do something about this. Why is it me? <laughs> <laughs> It's like maybe you should uh, maybe 
you should talk to some people. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. When I, that's kind of what I've done. Is I was just friends. like, I was like, hey, look. So first of all, everything that the SJWs are complaining about are they're almost entirely right. So let's start there. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then, like, I can understand where you are bewildered by some of this, and we'll talk about that too. But it's just kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. So I have some people who support me on Patreon and ask me random things about masculinity and what I think it's like in Western civilization for whatever reason. But some, <laughs> but we we need men like you to um slowly coax the ter- the men who are following the terrible men from the yes, terrible men. From the yeah, terrible men. Because those people are definitely serving a niche and we yeah. have to find out what that is and stop it because yeah. there's people are like I have a crisis of meaning and the th- the skin that I inhabit, and well, like, Jordan Peterson goes, "You shouldn't feel that way. You should clean up your bedroom, and, and everything's are the okay." To blame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, don't listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, trans people are your friends and bees. Be friends with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So I do have a Patreon and Twitter. Um, you know, at me with whatever you want. It's fine. Um, and Adam with your best shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. And. Um, <laughs> And yeah, so I, like I said, the, the, that's where you can find me. Uh, I write a couple times a month, um, usually at least one. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. All right, um, and you can find us on Twitter at Hybrid Pub Scout, also on Facebook at Hybrid Pub Scout, where I mostly uh, take screenshots of dumb <laughs> things I find on Amazon. Um, please, yeah, um, yeah. Subscribe to our newsletter and then go to uh, Apple and please rate and review us yes. because then more people see us yep. and also because we love hearing from you. Jahed was one of our first Thank you, five Jahed. star mm-hmm. ratings. Very nice. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I listened to JT's lovely voice. <laughs> I mean, he's he's great at what he does. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason I married him. <laughs> and it's because of his reading. That's right. <laughs> you, hear, you, you heard it totally first, Totally not his pizza. <laughs> Clean, clean your bedroom and read books. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great sign off. <laughs> I think we should change our. <laughs> <laughs>